Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It was a rough one, morning people. It's the Brewers 10, the Indians 3. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field. The thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And this was a competitive game for about the first four innings. So at least there's that. Uh, but then it falls apart pretty quickly. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk briefly about the game. But then I told you it is time. The Indians are now under 500 again. It is time to start thinking ahead. And it is time to start looking at some names, some faces that might be impacting this team in 2022. And the first name we're going to touch on today is Nolan Jones. So Part of the reason we're going up late today is because I've been doing some research on Nolan Jones. Part of the reason we're going up late today is because this is the first day in weeks that I haven't set an alarm. I actually got to just wake up, which was amazing. And of course, the dog wanted to go for a ridiculously long walk this morning. So it's 10 o'clock and I'm finally sitting down to record. So thanks for joining me on, on this late Cleveland morning, on this uh, brunch time Cleveland morning. Uh, so yeah, so it's a little bit later than we normally go up, but hey, we're up, we're doing it. Yep, so the Indians are now 69 and 70. So we'll talk about the game, and then we're going to talk about Nolan Jones. And it's a name you've heard a ton, but you know, hopefully I'll be able to give you some information that maybe you don't know about Nolan Jones and really understand who he is as a prospect and what we can expect once he gets here. So First off this game, it was the Indians actually had the lead uh, for, you know, the first three innings. Um, the win probability line actually for a minute is in the Indians' favor there. Uh, and then things quickly get out of control. The home run derby starts for the Milwaukee Brewers. I mean, that was really the storyline of this game. It's the Indians stealing bases and the Brewers hitting home runs. And frankly... If I'm going to pick between stealing bases and hitting home runs, I'm picking hitting home runs. Uh, and these weren't just little baby home runs either. There were some monster shots in here, including some big crooked numbers, especially Lorenzo Cain's uh, Grand Slam, which would blow this game wide open. And yeah, it was a rough day offensively for the Indians. They only managed three hits. They were leading for a while, uh, two runs on one hit. I mean, it was a really really bizarre start to this game. Uh, the first inning for both teams was just kind of awful and weird. Eli Morgan, Morgan starts the game by hitting Colton Wong with like his third pitch. Uh, Eduardo Escobar would fly out to Fermil Reyes deep in right field. That was an adventure all in itself, watching Reyes drift back on a fly ball. But uh, Colton Wong would tag and go to second. He'd move to third on a ground out. And then he scores on one of the most bizarre plays. I think to, right now, Brian LaVarnway still doesn't know what he did. So apparently, if a catcher uses any part of his equipment to knock the ball down uh, or to make contact with the ball, it's, it, it's an error and it's an automatic advanced base for the runners. So there's a ball in the dirt, LaVarnway traps. And like every good catcher, he snaps his mask off, Right? to check the runner at third. But he places the mask where he would take normally his empty hand and put it over the ball. He has the mask in his hand, so he puts the mask over the ball. That immediately makes it a dead ball and immediately gives the runner the base. 
So the runner from third, Colton Wong, comes in to score on, I mean, what's what's written here as a fielding error by catcher Ryan LaVarnway, but it's it's really, uh, LaVarnway had himself a bad game, just a really bad game. So I, I don't know what you call it. Catcher, is, and it's not interference, it's illegal touching of the ball. Like seriously, what? what how do you score this in your scorebook? If you're a kid sitting in the stands and you turn to your dad and go or mom and go uh what do i write in the book here what 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 do i fill out for how colton wong came in to score what would you say i I guess error by the catcher i guess is the best they could come up with even on the mlb app so uh yeah so that's how they score their first run uh garcia would single in that at bat but uh, navarez would fly out to end the threat then the indians come up in the first and Luis Urias has himself a horrible, horrible inning. Now, he would make up for it later in the game, but he starts off with a horrible inning. So he, uh, on a chopper, charging in, just misses first base with his throw. So Miles Straw is on to start the game. He steals second. Ahmed Rosario would ground out uh, to Urias. Uh, it would hold the runner at uh, second. Jose Ramirez would walk. They would then do a double steal. So for Mio Reyes, now his runners on second and third, works at a full count, but then takes a terrible swing, a check swing, a sword. Hauser gets him with a sword. It's an old pitching, not an old, it's a new pitching ninja thing. If you don't know who the pitching ninja is, it's a YouTube personality, a podcasting, uh, a, a Twitter personality that just loves pitching. And one of his things is swords, because you're not supposed to chop at the ball like it's a sword. You're supposed to swing it. So uh, when you get a strikeout like that, sort of those check swing strikeouts, he refers to them as swords. So, uh, yeah, so uh, Fermil Reyes goes down with a sword strikeout. And then uh, Bobby Bradley saves the day, though. I believe this was on the first pitch. Uh, Bobby Bradley shoots one back up the middle. A nice, beautiful single from Bobby Bradley and just took a nice, easy swing. You know, how many times have we seen... These guys come up and try to hit monster home runs. Well, instead of that, it was the first pitch. No, he gets kind of a fastball away and just pokes it right back up the middle. That's exactly what you're supposed to do as a baseball player, as a professional hitter. So the Indians actually take a two-run lead on one hit. That would be it for a long time, one hit. Chang would actually reach on another fielding area by Urias. He would chop one that would go over Urias's head. The minute he made contact with that ball, I thought, that's going to bounce over his head like that. That's a wicked bounce. That's That was my first instinct. And sure enough, the bounce shoots up. It hits off the glove of Urias, but bounces over his head for another error. Bradley Zimmer would walk to load the bases, and then LaVarnway would ground into a force out. So like I said, LaVarnway did not have a good game. Later, a run would score on a uh, catcher's interference with the bases loaded, where he would just stick his glove out and the batter would hit his glove on a bases-loaded situation, so everybody gets a base. Ah, Lavarnway did not have himself a good game. All right, uh, so yeah, so after that, uh, then we would get into the home runs. Um, The rest of the scoring would come on home runs. In the fourth inning, uh, the Brewers, uh, Navarez would double to start the inning, and then Luis Urias would get that revenge. He would hit the two-run home run, so he'd make up for the two runs uh, that score in the first inning, 102.1 miles per hour, 386 feet. He would smoke one for a home run. Then in the fifth inning, 
that's when they would really break it open. Eduardo Escobar would start the inning with a home run, his first of two home runs. Escobar is someone who came over from Arizona, someone who played for Minnesota for a while. I don't, I don't remember him. I really don't remember him that much from the Minnesota Twins. Uh, but he's someone they got at the trade deadline from Arizona, and he's come in and just hit for the Brewers, hitting second in their lineup. So he hits one 99.9 miles per hour, 386 feet. Uh, after Yelich flies out, Garcia would single, Navarez would single, Vogelback would walk to load the bases. Urias would induce that catcher's interference, which would get him on the first, would score the run. Uh, Rowdy Telez would pop out, and then Lorenzo Kane would come out with two outs now. Bases loaded, two outs, and Kane would absolutely destroy one to the bleachers in left field for a grand slam. 105.3 miles per hour, 423 feet, a monster home run from Lorenzo Kane. I don't care about the exit velocity. I want to know what the bat speed was on this. The bat speed was incredible. He whipped that thing around. Uh, so, yeah, so Kane blows this game wide open. And then why not Eduardo Escobar would come up in the sixth and lead off with another home run at 108 miles per hour, 416 feet. Now, both of those home runs came off of... Uh, both of those home runs come off of Sam Henches. I believe after the catcher's interference, let's see here, when did Eli Morgan come out of the game? Uh, yeah, after the catcher's interference would be when Eli Morgan would come out of the game. And that hurts. That hurts because, frankly, he did not... He didn't pitch great, but he didn't pitch terrible. Like I feel like it's a little bit of an unfair thing that Eli Morgan gets this because... The first run coming across the score on that silly catcher's error. Then another run coming to score on catcher's interference. Uh, so, yeah, he did give up a home run to Eduardo Escobar. Yes, he gave up the home run to Urias. But it was actually Henches who gives up the grand slam. Now, my initial thought on this was it's a little bit unfair of DeMarlo Hale to put Sam Henches into a situation where it's two outs, bases loaded, the team is already down. They're looking to, you know, you know, stem, the, you know, hold the hold the rushing waters back, and he gets thrown into this situation. Uh, it's a tough spot for a rookie pitcher to have to come into. You know, so maybe you go to a veteran in this situation, you know, Shaw or Wickren, who probably would have given up a home run anyways, but maybe you go to someone with a little more veteran experience here uh, as opposed to Sam Henches. But then I reconsidered it this morning. And if Sam Henches wants a spot in the bullpen next year, he's going to have to face situations like this. You can't hide for it forever in the bullpen. So maybe it's a good thing that DeMarlo Hale used him last night. Get him some experience coming into a really difficult situation. It was two outs. All he had to do was get the batter. It's not like it was no outs and bases loaded and he really had to work. You, you almost know you're going to give up some runs at that point. You're going to trade runs for outs at that point. No, this was two outs. All he had to do was get the batter and he gives up the home run. So the Indians would add one more run in the uh, seventh inning. Reyes and Bobby Bradley would go back-to-back -back singles and then Yu Chang would have an RBI ground out that would bring in the last run in the eighth inning. But that would be it. That would be it for the rest of the game. 
So, yeah, I mean, a really weak. Those be the only hits. I've told you about all three hits for the Cleveland Indians now. Uh, two hard singles here in the eighth inning, both at 99 miles per hour exit velocities. Um, but, yeah, uh, Bobby Bradley's was actually off the wall. He just hit it so darn hard that all he could do is make it at a long single. Uh, shot right back off the top of the right field wall to the right fielder who fired it back in, and all Bobby Bradley could get was a single out of it. Um, luckily Chang was able to, you know, put it in play. There were nobody out. All he had to do was put it in play and he gets that run across. They weren't really worried about the run with a 10 to two lead. So yeah, uh, I mean, it's a tough spot for Sam Hedges to come into, but maybe it's good experience for him. Maybe he's learned something from this experience. Now let's talk about the home runs because we can go over to the illustrator here and we can look at pitch location and we can pull up the home runs and I'm telling you, Eli Morgan's home runs were right down the freaking pipe. Right down the pipe. The home run to Urias was a slider sitting dead center. Dead center belt at the belt. Dead center, middle of the plate. This could not be a better pitch for Urias to hit. Uh, for the one that Eduardo Escobar hit, it was a little bit higher. It was a little bit higher. Uh, the righty got one that was sort of up near the letters, but still right down the middle of the plate. So there was Eli Morgan's two mistakes. I mean, you can't throw pitches there to professional hitters. They are going to make you pay. And I believe if you watch these replays, he he's missing his location, right? This is not where the catcher is setting up for these. Same thing for Sam Henches. Sam Henches gives up two homers to righties. The one to Lorenzo Cain was a slider, that was supposed to be down and in. If you look at where LaVarnaway set up, he wants this slider down and in. The slider comes in in and high. In and high. Up at the letters again. And Lorenzo Kane can spin on this high slider. He's got time with a slower pitch coming in. And like I said, 105.3 mile per hour exit velocity for Kane. Uh, the one to Eduardo Escobar was a fastball that was down. Um, but Eduardo Escobar just went down and got it. It was still in the strike zone. It was at the thighs, um, so it wasn't as bad of a pitch. The one to Lorenzo Cain, he definitely missed his target on that one. Missed big. Missed really big. This one, that's just some good hitting from Eduardo Escobar, a guy that was locked in. Uh, So, yeah, so that, I mean, pitch location is huge right there, and uh, that the illustrator... Tells it plain and clear, man. The Indians just threw those balls in some bad spots last night. Going to the player breakdown, Adrian Hauser, it's not like he was really dominant with any pitch. His highest CSW on any pitch was the sinker, which he threw 50 times last night on 103 pitches. Only good for 30% CSW. Uh, 28% CSW on his changeup. And not monster strike numbers here. I mean, he didn't rack up that many strikeouts. Uh, he only had five strikeouts, but he also walked five guys. Uh, he only was hard hit twice, though. That's the secret to this game. Adrian Hauser only gave up two hard hit balls on the entire day on 103 pitches over six innings. And if you go to the player breakdown, I mean, he they averaged exit velocity off his sinker was 86.1. Off his curve was 86.8. Average exit velocity off his change was 76 Average exit velocity off his four-seamer was 72.6, and the average exit velocity off his slider was 87.5. So there you go. They couldn't even average a hard-hit ball off any of his pitches, couldn't even get up in the 90s, so they just weren't hitting it hard. 
I mean, that was literally the secret to Hauser's pitching uh, last night. Now, when they walk, they were stealing bases like freaking crazy. I mean, it's insane. Uh, Miles Straw had three steals yesterday. Jose Ramirez had two, and Bradley Zimmer had one. It got to a point where Navarez, I mean, just stopped even throwing. These were all off Hauser and Navarez. Every one of these stolen bases was off Hauser and Navarez. Um, they didn't have many base runners after that, frankly. Uh, so, yeah, so they were absolutely, I mean, it got to a point where he stopped throwing because they just had such good jumps, and it just didn't matter. Hauser just wasn't giving up hits. They just couldn't do anything. They had runners in scoring position plenty of times early in this game to blow this game wide open, and they just couldn't do it. So, all right, that's it. That's all my thoughts on this one. Uh, it's a pretty rough day. MVP for the day, I'm giving it to Bobby Bradley. He had he was the only one with multi-hits on the game. Frankly, he's practically the only one with a hit. Fermil Reyes is the only other one with a hit on the day. He did have the two RBIs early. So Bobby Bradley had himself an okay day. I guess Straw was on base twice, had the three stolen bases. So that's pretty good for him. Oh, he was he was on base three times. He walked twice and reached on an error and had the three stolen bases. So a decent day from him. Eli Morgan, it's a pretty rough line. Four and a third innings pitched, eight hits, eight runs, seven earned, two walks and two strikeouts with the two home runs allowed. Uh, Hanches, not much better. One and two thirds, three hits. Two earned runs, two strikeouts, no walks at least, but two home runs given up, included all those runs that are credited to Eli Morgan on the Grand Slam. Trevor Steffen actually pitched decent in relief. One and two-thirds innings from Trevor Steffen, no hits, no runs, no walks, and one strikeout. He was actually pitching really well, only one hard-hit ball on 31 pitches. So a decent job out of the bullpen from Trevor Steffen, who continues to show uh, why the Indians went and got him in the Rule 5 draft. And he's going to be here again next year. Yeah, Trevor Steffen is going to be a member of this bullpen for a while. And as some of these guys on one-year contracts maybe disappear, uh, he could have an expanded role. They could be someone that he they really count on uh, next season out of the bullpen. So depending on what they do, if they bring a Withgren or a Shaw back, uh, you know, sign other guys to minor league contracts with invites to spring training. Trevor Steffen could have himself a pretty important role, almost the role that Nick Wickren has right now, uh, where it's like you're kind of someone we can trust. Uh, you do give up home runs from time to time, but we're going to trust you because you're what we got. Uh, that kind of role, which I guess isn't a glowing endorsement. Uh, but hey, it's a role. It's a job, right? Uh, don't forget, Nick Sandlin, you know, is missing. Karinchek is trying to figure things out down at AAA. Class A has definitely established himself as the closer of this team. Uh, so the bullpen could bounce back next year. But speaking of next year, we're done with this game. Let's put this game away. We got to talk about Nolan Jones. We got to start talking about prospects for next season. Now, Nolan Jones right now, MLB.com has him as the number three prospect in the Indian system behind Tyler Freeman and George Valera. But if anybody is going to have an impact on the 2022 season of these prospects, it probably is going to be Nolan Jones. Uh, it's just, he's at AAA right now. It just feels like they got to take a shot with him, right? They got to find out what he's, what he's got, right? They have to. It's, it's time this guy's been around. He was drafted in 2016. And we're going to talk about the 2016 draft. And just you wait. Just you wait to see some of the names uh, in this 2016 draft. I 
think Nolan Jones is out what with a hurt ankle right now. I want to say I want to say he's uh got an injury right now and he's not playing right now. Um so yeah, so I thought he hurt his ankle. Let's see here. Yeah, on September 2nd, uh, he was placed on the injured list, the seven-day minor league injured list with a left ankle sprain. So we'll see. I don't know if he's come back yet or not. Um, So we'll see how long he's out for. So chances are you're probably not going to see him this September. Uh, But coming into spring training, he is definitely going to be battling for one of that right field spot uh, because he's not getting a call up at third base. It's not happening. Sorry. Jose Ramirez is too good. But right field, he's played a couple of games in right field. All right, so what are the scouting reports on Nolan Jones? What are we looking at here? Where MLB's got him. Remember, this is the 20 to 80 grading scale, and you're going to hear it a lot over the next few weeks from me. His hit is a 45. So they don't think he's going to hit for a high average, I guess. His uh, power, though, is a 60. So definitely a home run hitter. His run is only a 40. And frankly, watching him run the bases on some highlights... Yeah, he's not a great runner. His arm is a 60, though, which is why they think he could play in right field. And his fielding is a 50. Overall, they've got him as a 55. Um, Yeah, with that arm in right field, that could be a big difference maker. I mean, that's why your right fielder generally has the best arm of all your outfielders. He's got to make that long throw all the way across the third base. And we've seen it, right? We've seen some good arms. Lonnie Chisinau had a good arm. He's a third baseman that transitioned to right field. Sinshu Chu, remember, he had a cannon of an arm out in right field. Um, So, yeah, we've seen some good right fielders. Naquin had a good arm out there in right field. We've seen some right fielders with some real cannons out there. Um, So, yeah, so the power is definitely going to be the thing. The power and the arm are the two things that make Nolan Jones a standout. He's six foot four, big dude, 195. Uh, doesn't swing like uh, Lonnie Chisholm or uh, Tyler Naquin did, right? They had that really compact, tight, left handed swing that was perfect for low inside pitches. Nolan Jones has a little bit more of a bigger swing, and it's definitely worked to get him some power. Uh, if you haven't heard, he used to be a standout hockey player, but concussions forced him to focus on baseball. Um, he was drafted in the second round in 2016. He uh, He's played in Futures games and All-Star games in the minor leagues. He's got big power, does struggle against lefties. I'm kind of summarizing here the scouting report on MLB. Um, does struggle a little bit against lefties. Uh, so yeah, he's blocked at third base by Jose Ramirez. So he was a high school shortstop. Obviously, the best kid on your team is usually the shortstop, so that makes sense. A lot of these guys were probably their high school shortstop. So, yeah, so right field might be the spot for him where he breaks through in the major leagues. Now, that 2016 draft, my God, that 2016 draft. Some of the guys that went in the first round of this draft, uh, Nick Senzel from the Reds was the number two overall pick. Ian Anderson of the Braves was number three. A guy named, uh, went number eight overall. You may have heard of him, Cal Quantrill. Yeah, for the San Diego Padres. Yeah, that's our pitcher right there. Cal Quantrill was the eighth overall pick in this draft. Wow, when you hear the other names in this draft, just remember this. Cal Quantrill was number eight in the first round by the Padres. The Indians actually took Will Benson, the outfielder, in the first round. Number 14 overall overall. 
And uh, I got to say, they might be regretting that pick because I think Benson, uh, the highest he's made it, he made it to Columbus this year. He's played 16 games in Columbus after playing 80 games in Akron. So he has made it up to AAA. But the names they passed in this draft to take Will Benson, Alex Kirilov of the Twins was picked right after him. Right after him. Two high school outfielders. Kirilov went right after him. Uh, who else went in this? Uh, Gavin Lux from the Dodgers, who was then uh, traded. Uh, oh, no, he's with the Dodgers still. Yeah, Gavin Lux, who was someone who was talked about in trades for uh, Francisco Lindor, was taken 20th overall. Um, who else in this draft? Carter Kaboom of the Washington Nationals was 28th in the compensatory rounds. Um, Will Smith of the Dodgers, the catcher for the Dodgers, was 32nd in this draft. Uh, who else we got here? Taylor Trammell for the Reds, who's now with Seattle. The outfielder uh, was in that compensatory first round. And so, yeah, so there's some big names there. Then in the second round, there's some more big names. Uh, Nolan Jones was taken 55th overall by the Cleveland Indians. Right behind him at 59th overall was Brian Reynolds, the center fielder uh, for the Pittsburgh Pirates, originally drafted by the San Francisco Giants. But Brian Reynolds, who's an all-star, but probably the face of, between him and Key Brian Hayes, for the face of the Pirates franchise right now, uh, who they're going to try to build around. We just missed out on Brian Reynolds from Vanderbilt. Instead, we went with the high school prospect in Nolan Jones. We also missed out on 64th overall Pete Alonzo, the home run derby champ, the polar bear for the New York Mets. He was taken 64th overall, and then 66th overall was Bo Bichette for the Toronto Blue Jays. So we took Nolan Jones over some really, really good players there. Three players right there that are really freaking good. Guess who else went in this draft? 92 overall to the Cleveland Indians. Third round, Aaron Savali. Guess who went in the fourth round of this draft? 122 overall. Maybe an all-star you've heard of, Shane Bieber. That's right. All these guys are from the 2016 draft. Uh, also in this draft was Corbin Burns, who the Indians are going to face tonight. Uh, Corbin Burns, the all-star pitcher for the Brewers. So yeah, a lot of big names from this 2016 draft. And uh, oh, Trevor Steffen, look at that. I didn't even realize that. Trevor Steffen, five, 538th overall in the 18th round was Trevor Steffen. So even Trevor Steffen came from this 2016 draft. So what a draft, man. What a draft. Now, looking at Nolan Jones' actual stats, um, yeah, the power is definitely there. His slugging percentage has been in the 400s pretty much his entire minor league career. He's only hitting 238 this season, so his batting average is down a little bit from the previous seasons. Uh, in 2019, at double A, he was hitting 253. Uh, and, and high A ball, he was hitting in 280s, 290s, split between the 2018 and 2019 season. So the batting average has struggled a little bit since reaching the higher rankings of the minor leagues, but the home run power is definitely there. Uh, he's got uh, 13 home runs on the season right now. In 2019, split between two levels, he had 15 home runs. In 2018, split between two levels, he had 19 home runs. So he's definitely got some pop, definitely has some slugging. Still has a decent on-base percentage at uh, AAA this season. A 356 on-base percentage. 
uh, in 2019, it was way up there. Almost, it was in 400 and high A, and then dropped to 370. It was 435 in high A, and dropped to 370 at double A. Because this guy draws walks. He absolutely draws walks, and that's one of the best things about him. He had split between two levels in 2019. He had 96 walks split between two levels of baseball in 2019. He's got 59 walks this year in AAA to 122 strikeouts. So it is a really good strikeout to walk, uh, walk to strikeout ratio for him uh, in, in professional baseball so far. So that is definitely something that is going to help him, hopefully at the major league level. Now we've seen other guys that were supposed to be high contact guys, guys that didn't strike out a lot, like, I don't know, maybe say Owen Miller, who's striking out a ton right now. So when you come to the major leagues, it's always a different beast. But for the most part, I can tell you that Nolan Jones can walk and he can hit home runs. Uh, That is two things you can definitely count on from this guy when he finally gets up here. Uh, As far as some of the other batting stats, he has always had uh, WRC plus, weighted runs created plus. This is one of those stats where league average is set to 100. You want to be above 100 in this stat. Looking at a measure of runs created, I can tell you that this guy is always above 100 his entire professional career, uh, including uh, in 2018 at high A, he was up to 162 WRC plus. Uh, at double A, he was at 147. Right now, he's at 113 WRC plus. So, still an above average run creator in Triple A baseball. Um, some of the other things: his batted ball. Uh, he he hits hits an average of ground balls and fly balls. Uh, for most of his career, he's around 40 mid 40 percent ground ball rate. Uh, line drive is in the 20 percent. Uh, fly balls is in around the 30 percent. So. Uh, Yeah, he does. He kind of hits a little bit of both. Uh, He hits to all fields. He'll go opposite way uh, at double. He was up to 42% opposite field hitting. Uh, This year at triple A, he's at 38.9% pull, 27.1% center field, and 33.9% opposite field. So really using the whole field there. Uh, So that's good to see from Nolan Jones. The last thing we got to talk about are the splits, the lefty-righty splits. Now, this year has actually been a bit of an outlier. This year at AAA, in limited at-bats, he's had 310 plate appearances against right-handed pitching, only 97 plate appearances against left-handed pitching. So definitely someone who's been protected against left-handed pitching. Uh, But he's had reverse splits. He's actually hit 259 off lefties, only 231 off righties. His on-base percentage is great against both. His slugging is great against both. Uh, His his on-base is 352 against righties, 371 against lefties. Um, His slugging is slightly higher against righties. Uh, His OPS, though, because of the on-base percentage, is actually higher against left-handed pitching this season. So like I said, a little bit of an outlier. Now, if we go back to 2019 and look at his splits from 2019... There's the guy that struggles against left-handed pitching. His splits here, and again, it's a little bit lopsided. 399 plate appearances against righties, only 136 plate appearances against lefties, but he hit 312 against right-handed pitching, only hit 151 against left-handed pitching. So there you go. There are the splits. 
The on-base numbers are good for both. I mean, he's over 300, 324 on-base against left-handed pitching. But against right-handed pitching, a 439 on-base percentage, aided by 71 walks against right-handed pitching. That's huge. Slugged 497 against righties, only slugged 274 against left-handed pitching. So, huge difference there in OPS. A 936 OPS against righties, only a 597 against lefties. So, if he does get the call up, he's probably someone they're going to protect against uh, a left-handed pitching, at least to start his career. Uh, But he was drawing walks. He was at least getting on base against left-handed pitching in 2019. And like I said, he had reverse splits this year. So, you never know sometimes with these guys. So that is Nolan Jones. He's someone that hits some big home runs. I watched him in his highlights hit run, home runs to all parts of the ballpark. He will protect on outside pitches and go the other way when he has to. Um, so he's not going to have a big uh, looping swing. He might struggle. He might struggle against those outside breaking balls just the way Bobby Bradley does. One thing interesting about Nolan Jones coming up is that it's a lot of left-handed prospects between him and Zimmer and Bobby Bradley. It's a lot of big, strong left-handed hitters coming up. So it'll be interesting to see uh, with Zimmer and Mercado and Daniel Johnson where Nolan Jones fits into that mix for right field. Um, and you got Harold Ramirez here, don't forget. And Miles Straw is locked into center field. So there's a lot of names battling. I mean, do they give up on a Mercado or a Zimmer to give Nolan Jones a shot? It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of names that still have question marks after them. And that sucks. That's one thing that sucks about this 2021 season is that I can't tell you if Mercado or Zimmer or Johnson have a future with the Indians. I can't even tell you if Harold Ramirez really has a future with the Indians. He's done all right. He hasn't blown us away or anything like that. Uh, Straw definitely seems uh, to be here for the long haul, to be someone you can count on as a leadoff hitter and an on-base guy and a stolen base guy and someone who runs down every single ball in center field. But I can't tell you about the rest of the outfield. And Nolan Jones is the same way. Obviously, he has not gotten the call up at any point this season. And uh, I I feel like there's a meaning behind that. So is it possible that this guy who's been in the system since 2016, when so many of the guys around him have not only come up to the major leagues, but are all-stars that are faces of the game? I mean, Pete Alonso is a star in New York. Bo Bichette is a star in Toronto. And Nolan Jones still isn't. I mean, a lot of these guys aren't. Senzel hasn't really made himself a star yet. Taylor Trammell hasn't. Uh, There's plenty of prospects from this 2016 draft that we've heard of that just haven't made the impact yet. It's hard. It's a tough game. So Nolan Jones, there you go. There's your profile for, you know, a a number three prospect in our system and someone who is looking to break through in 2022. He's got to see progressive field at some point in 2022. It's got to happen. All right. That's all my thoughts. It's a little bit of a longer episode because when we start getting into these prospects, we're going to. We're going to take deep dives. I'm not just going to scratch the surface here. I'm going to tell you everything that I could dig up on this player. So uh, that's your profile, Nolan Jones. That's everything from this Milwaukee game. It was a rough one, and it ain't going to get any easier tonight because now we're getting into the really good starting pitching. Burns going against Plesak, and uh, it's going to be a heck of a matchup for Plesak 
who's 10 and four on the season, man, uh, with a only with a four five three ERA. Like I said, man, wins are sometimes crazy for pitchers. Burns is nine and four with a two thirty eight ERA, and we're gonna see some pitching tonight. If you like pitching, get ready for Burns because he is good, and so is Woodruff tomorrow. So uh, Woodruff is going up against Savali on the finale on Sunday. So that's what we got coming up. I'll be back tomorrow to talk about that matchup. Remember, for show merch, remember to visit clevelandbaseballmornings.myspreadshop.com for premium t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, and more for men, women, and kids. I actually tweaked the t-shirt design just a little bit. So if you looked at it, maybe go back. I, I made the logo a little bigger. I thought the logo needed to be a little bigger on the shirt. It's hard. It's hard without them sending me sample shirts to know how to make t-shirts. I wasn't. I didn't get into this to make t-shirts. I got into this to make... Uh, to make podcasts. I just thought it'd be fun to have a t-shirt with my show on it. So show off your pride for Cleveland baseball and help spread the show's name with some high quality shirts and gear. The link is in the show notes and it's my pin tweet on Twitter at Davey Barris. Again, the final from last night, the home run derby from the Brewers. It's the Brewers 10, the Indians three. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about Burns versus Plesak. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.